Mastermind Agent is proud to present success calls. Top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com. Hi, I'm Mike Cerrone with Mastermind Agent. Welcome to Success Calls. This month's top agent is Scott Rogers with Remax in Peoria, Illinois. Last year, he closed 162 transactions with a total sales volume of $26 million. His average sales price was $161,000, of which 60% were buyers and 40% were sellers. He has a seven-member team. Welcome to the call, Scott. Thanks, Mike. Glad to be here. Hey, Scott. It's great to have you here. Thank you so much for joining me today. Well, before we start talking about what you're doing today, Let's take a moment and go back in time to when you started in real estate. Why did you get into real estate? You know, Mike, I graduated college in 1996, and uh, I was a uh, teacher and coach before I got into real estate. I was uh, my first year. I was kindergarten through eighth grade, health, PE, and drivers, or health and PE. And then my next four years, I was uh, PE drivers at at the high school level, and then I was also the high school baseball coach here at a local school. And, you know, I can't honestly tell you why real estate. Um, what I can tell you is, you know, I was putting in a lot of time as a teacher coach and, and, and although I enjoyed it, I thought, you know, I want to be into something where there's no limits. You know, I felt like, I felt like no matter how many hours I put in, how much time I put in, uh, I was going to make the same amount of money as a teacher and coach no matter what I did. Whereas in real estate, I thought the more, the more time I put in, you know, the, the more money I can make, quite honestly. Well, that's exactly why I think a lot of people got in the business. So how long did you teach before you got into real estate? Five years. Five years. Okay. And so you're probably in your late 20s or so when you made that decision to start uh, raising that ceiling a little bit and gain a little more income. Yep, absolutely. Must have been hard to leave teaching and uh, the kids and the baseball and all the things that you were doing. It was. It was. I really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, had a great experience and, and, and I definitely still miss parts of it, but, uh, but I also enjoy what I'm doing. <laughs> Fantastic. A quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television. Need more referrals? Get a free script and simple three-part plan used by a top agent to receive and close 74 referral transactions in one year. Just go to freereferralscript.com. That's free referralscript.com. Now, back to the show. Well, let's talk about uh, when you first got into real estate that very first year. Did you have a fast start or a slow start? I actually had a, a fairly fast start. I sold 47 homes my first year. And, wow. uh, you know, so I, I was very happy with that. That is fantastic. I got to ask, how did you sell 47 homes your first year? What were you doing? You know, I think more than anything, it was just hard work, just getting out there and beating the pavement. And, and I did, I would say open houses were a big part of that. Um, I would try to do two open houses every Sunday for most of that first year, just to kind of get out there and, and meet people. And, and back at that time, you know, uh, print ads were a big deal. So I wanted to make sure I had my picture on some properties in the print ad every Sunday. Um, so, yeah, I would say uh, print ads and, and open houses probably. So, were you working mainly with buyers then at that time? And you know, one other thing, sorry, Mike, what I'll say is um, 
I'm not even sure how I knew to do this, but one thing I knew to do on day one is make a list of all of my friends and family members and coworkers and, you know, parents of kids I coach, pretty much anybody I knew and mail something to them once a month. And I did that from the start. So that was also a big factor in that first year having some success. What do you, if you recall, I know I'm spending a lot of time on this, but you had a great start and people want to know there are people listening that are just getting rolling or they need to jumpstart and get rolling quickly. So could you tell us a little bit more about that? So that, that first year, the 47 transactions, what percentage were coming from say open houses versus uh, your sphere of influence? You know, I, I did not keep great records back then. So I, I can't answer that question. Um, I, yeah, I just, I don't know. Um, <laughs> you just, you just were going and going and going. You were making yeah. something happen. Right. It sounds like that was the key for you is you were constantly there. I assume that you were spending a lot of time in the office or in the field. Yep. Yeah. I mean, both, you know, just, I just tried to take as many actions as I possibly could. I didn't really even know what I was doing, but I didn't know what I didn't know. <laughs> you knew that if you sat around, nothing was going to happen. That's right. That's right. Yep. Well, let's fast forward a little bit. How long have you been in real estate now? Uh, 18 years. I started in June of 2001. 18 years. That is fantastic. And, and let's just get a couple stats out there. How many homes did you sell last year? What was the sales volume? Uh, last year was about 162 homes for $26 million. And, uh, you know, it was a down year for us, quite honestly. Wow. Well, well, let's come back to that. Let's get a little bit of stats out there. Do you recall what, uh, what kind of GCI you earned last year? It was about 830000 Wow. That is fantastic. That is awesome. And did you recall what your best year was, what year that was, how many homes you sold, and the volume? Yeah. Uh, 2014, we sold about, I think we sold 230 homes, and that was $32 million volume for a gross commission of 999000 and we were like $7,000 away from, from getting a million that year. <laughs> well, one more closing and you would have been at the elusive seven figures. Well, in my area, maybe two or three more. But yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's exciting. Very good. Do you, and just one, one more thing, and you've had a nice long career now, 18 years. Have you put together the stats or estimated the stats over the, that, number, that amount of time, how many homes you sold in the volume? Uh, home sold was about 2,600, and let's see, I have it right here, um, 2,600 homes, and well, I thought I had it here, Mike. Yeah, here it is. 356 million in production for 10.7 million in gross commissions. Wow, that is awesome. 10 million in your career in GCI. Congratulations. Thanks. That is, that is awesome. Now, let's go back to something you mentioned earlier. You said that uh, this year has been a little bit off based on last year and a few years in the past, and you were, you were starting to go into that. What happened? Yeah, um, you know, for, for several years in a row, Mike, I was averaging around 200 transactions a year. I mean, we were right at that 200 mark almost year after year. And then, like I said, 2014, we went over at 230. But, you know, I think last year, a combination of things. I, I did have, you know, usually if I have somebody on my team, they stay for quite a few years. I did have two agents that were on my team for, oh, I don't know, seven years maybe. And both actually got out of the business. Um, so then we were down to one buyer's agent. Um, so I think, I think that was a big reason why, um, you know, but 
quite honestly, Mike, I think that part of the reason too is, you know, this is going to sound really odd, but I think I, I've, I've lost, I don't have the passion for real estate that, that probably a lot of people do. And in 2009, I was a number one agent in our area. And, uh, you know, I just got complacent, I think. And, and, you know, um, I think for me, I, I do enjoy what I do, but I think at some point in time, I want to get into, you know, real estate coaching and, and things like that. I feel like I have a little more or a lot more passion with teaching and coaching than I do actually selling homes. I mean, I want to make a difference in people's lives. And I just, I don't know why I can't get excited about selling homes. You know, I, I don't, I don't know why. Have you been in the production? Are you still in production? Do you still go out and list and sell? No, I don't. No, I haven't actually worked with buyers since probably 2005. And I haven't worked with sellers since, oh, I don't know, maybe 2008. Wow. So yeah. Been so it's been a while. Years. It's yeah. been almost a decade. So you have already moved yourself back into that coaching role where you've been coaching your team. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. And that's obviously something you enjoy seeing that big picture and doing the coaching. And you've been doing it for a little over 10 years now where you haven't been out in the field itself. You've been more of the manager role. And, right. uh, and it sounds like that's something that you've enjoyed, but it's starting to lose a little bit of its luster. Uh, do you think that you need to set a bigger goal? If you set a bigger goal in real estate, uh, that that would uh, create some excitement? Yeah, possibly. You know, but I think, I, I think, like I said, I mean, I, I do have a bigger goal this year. Our goal this year is 250 transactions, but you know, I think, uh, you know, it's like when I was, it's like when I was teaching a coach and my goal was to be a high school baseball coach. And then I accomplished that and I thought, well, that was fun, but it wasn't that gratifying. I mean, I really enjoyed it and it was kind of like the same in real estate. I have that big goal you know, I want to be the number one agent in my market. That happened in 2009. And then all of a sudden, I've just kind of like, well, you know, that, that was okay. But uh, I just think there's, there's bigger fish to fry. So bigger challenges out there. Well, that's good. Thank you for, for sharing that with us. And, uh, and I appreciate that. Let's uh, help the folks listening by taking some of the lessons you've learned on this 18 year journey and uh, in the, the areas of lead generation and a couple other areas that can help some people out. Um, so let's jump into that at this point. First of all, I do want to back up. Where is Peoria, Illinois? Peoria is right between Chicago and St. Louis, just right in the middle. It's about two and a half hours to Chicago, two and a half hours to St. Louis. And it's uh, for, for those baseball fans, it's uh, Jim Tomey's hometown, uh, Ben Zobris from the Cubs. Um, who else? Oh, Joe Girardi, who was a Yankees manager for a number of years. They're all from Peoria. Uh, fantastic. How big is the population there? Uh, it's about 112,000 in Peoria, and then there's a lot of surrounding communities. So your overall market, how many people you think there are? Gosh, I'd hate to guess. Maybe 250,000? Thank you. Yeah, it just gives people an idea if it's comparable to their market, bigger, smaller, and the like. Uh, let's talk about the market itself. Uh, what's your average? We're going to ask a couple of stats here. What's the average sales price in the market? You know, Peoria is a very steady market. It's been between 140 and 145,000 for many years now. I mean, many years. Okay. And you're just slightly above that. So you're working the middle and slightly above middle. Uh, how about the type of homes that you're selling? You're selling houses, condos, townhomes, ranches. What are you selling? 
I would say more more often than not would just be regular residential um, dwellings like homes, houses. Okay. And uh, how about your days on the market, your average days on market? In, in our area, the days on market for sold listings is about 85 days. And I think that's when people talk days on market, sometimes I, I, I think that they're not looking at the big picture because days on market is different than days on market for sold listings, you know, but for sold listings, it's 85 days. Okay, very good. And then, so are your prices, are they trending up, down, are they flat? Steady, just very steady. Just steady. Very yeah. good. Thank you. So that gives people an idea where you're coming from. Now let's jump into lead generation. That's something everybody always needs more help with. Uh, and it looks like you've got a couple areas of emphasis you've done really well in. So let's dive into those. First one, are internet leads. And I believe in that category, it's about 39% of your business. Um, can you tell us what, what are you doing to generate leads from the internet? Are you working with uh, Zillow, Realtor.com, Homes? Who are you working with? Zillow, I would say Zillow and Realtor.com have been the, the two big ones over the years. Okay, so give us a little more detail on what exactly are you doing. Let's start with Zillow. Uh, what are you doing with Zillow to generate leads and uh, how's that working? Give us kind of your funnel or how, how it comes out. You know, Mike, we, we've had great success with Zillow over the years, but I will say, I, and I, I can't explain it, I don't know what's happened, but I would say in the last six months, the lead quality from Zillow has is, is declined dramatically. Um, I know they've implemented a, new, a few new systems and I'm not fond of, but, um, you know, we were spending ballpark $6,000 a month with Zillow and, and doing very well. Um, and we, we really, I would say consistently were around 3,500 for a number of years. And, you know, we were closing, say, close to 50 deals a year, you know, just through Zillow. And uh, so now we went from, you know, paying 6,000. I've dropped that all the way down to 1,000. And in some markets, or no, I'm sorry, 2,000. You know, in some markets, I think people are still killing it on Zillow for whatever reason in our market. Um, the leads have just steadily declined. So you're getting less leads, in my opinion, worse quality, and you're paying more money. And it just came, seemed to continue to cycle like that. Pay more money, get less leads, less quality. So we're, we're looking at other ways to generate leads now and, and trying to maybe get away from Zillow a little bit. So how long have you been working with Zillow? Oh, gosh, a lot of years. I, I'm not even sure when we started, maybe 2009, I'm not sure. Oh, wow. So almost 10 years. So has it been ebbing and flowing? Have you had this cycle before where the lead quality fell down and then it came back or has it always been strong? It's always been pretty strong. Yeah. So you do see some kind of change in the market. Let me ask this. Uh, how, how are you generating the leads off of Zillow? Are you putting uh, your, you or your agent's pictures up on the other people's listings are you posting on your listings? Yeah, basically, uh, all they're doing is every listing that comes up, you're going to see uh, three agents on the side. It's three or four, I, I'm not sure, but we're one of those agents in several zip codes. Okay, very good. And so that's been the major source of leads that have come in? Yeah, for internet. And we, we've, we've also uh, got a lot of Realtor.com leads. We pay less money for Realtor.com, and, and, uh, but it, it's been fairly good for us. We'll come back to Realtor.com. Let's stay on Zillow just for a few more minutes. Mm -hmm. um, do you have a lot of listings, that your own personal listings that you post in Zillow? Yeah, yeah. They just go automatically on there. I think from Remax.com. 
And then do you do you claim them? So you put your name on there as the only agent for the first couple of weeks or so? You know, I don't know. I, I don't know if I've been grandfathered in or what, but I, I am the only agent on my listing. So I'm, I couldn't even tell you exactly how that happens. I think I, think I do pay Zillow. Um, it's like a, an additional $200 a month or something. And I'm the only agent that shows up on, on my listings. So. so you are doing that. And then uh, the other question I have is on Zillow, you can put a profile on there. Have you put your profile on? Yeah. Yeah, we sure have. Yep. Okay. Well, I don't know a lot about it, but those are the three things I've heard work really well. And it sounds like you're doing them. So you are seeing some kind of decline. Uh, it, when you buy the Zillow leads, are you buying a specific area or zip code? Zip codes typically. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've owned several zip codes over the years. And so that just stopped working. And so I assume then you reduced the number of zip codes that you were uh, marketing into. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we, you know, over the years, you know, everybody says, Oh, my buyer's agents are saying the leads aren't any good. And, and, you know, many times over the years I said, are the leads not good? Or are you just not very good at working the leads? <laughs> you know, and, and, and really, uh, I've really watched the Zillow leads come through and a high percentage of them in our area at least are uh, rent. Uh, you know, a lot of people are inquiring, would they rent that property? Would they sell a contract for deed? Um, just a lot of those. And, and, you know, yeah, we can try to convert a renter into a buyer, but typically the people that are asking, they're renting and there's a reason that they're renting. And maybe they're only going to be in the, the area for a, a short period of time. Maybe their, their credit score won't allow them to buy. Um, so it's just a lot, of, a lot of leads are not true buyers. Okay. And that makes sense. You got to do a qualification process. If you were to, uh, in over the years, you've doing this a long time over the years, if you were to take a hundred Zillow leads in, how many of those would actually turn into closings? Oh, that's a good question. And I, I don't have an answer. I would say, gosh, I, I would hate to even guess 10% maybe. Maybe 10% or so. Okay. So you have 90 of those would not be any good. You got to screen those out and you're left with 10 that actually end up closing. And so that's a process. Um, when most of these leads that come in on Zillow, are they coming in by phone or are you getting, uh, say, an email with their information? It, it was always email. And then just recently within the last, you know, four or five months, whatever it's been, uh, now they have a screening process. So when a lead comes in, a Zillow rep will take that call. And then if they say they want to speak to an agent, then Zillow then rings my three buyers agents. And the first one to pick up gets the lead. So you've not been receiving those email leads anymore? It all went to the phone? Not, not as many. And, and they're always making changes. I think that some of the leads, they're still emailing. Um, but I think if a Zillow rep talks to them, then they, I don't really know what happens to the leads if a Zillow rep talks to them if, if we don't pick up. Now, most of the time we pick up. Um, but, but the number of leads has went down quite a bit. Okay, so just so I understand, the lead will come in directly to you if you pick up the phone, but if for some reason your sales folks don't pick up the phone, then Zillow picks up the phone, whereas before it would go to voicemail or something like that. No, actually Zillow picks up the phone first. And they then- do. Yeah, I thought that's what you said, so that yeah. is a change. Yeah, yeah, and so, so what happens is, on, on, and I don't understand all the dynamics of it, but on leads that pick up the phone, Zillow answers that call. 
and Zillow says, would you like to speak with an agent? If they say yes, then Zillow dials my three agents. So I think Zillow's thing is they want inquiries to be answered. And then, um, you know, if, if they say they want to talk to an agent, they then go to, to our agents. And Zillow thought that would be a great thing because they're pre-screening the people for us. But I mean, it's just dramatically decreased in number of leads that we have. So I would rather have more leads and, and put them in our system and work them versus I think my agents are going to be better than Zillow, you know, people at converting the leads. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's what it sounds like. There was a dramatic change. You said four or six months ago where uh, Zillow changed this policy and that's reduced the quality of lead that's getting to you because you don't know what that, uh, that Zillow rep is saying on the phone and if they're any right. good, they yeah. may be losing a lot of the good leads, right? They may and be if, asking the wrong questions. Yeah. And if you don't answer the phone, then they're just going to call somebody else. I mean, Zillow will call somebody else until they get an agent that answers. Oh, is there a way to uh, eliminate that so that the leads that are coming in go directly to you and they don't go to the ISA, the, the Zillow rep? No, I've asked. At least my rep has said there's, n there's no way to to change that. To change that because they're trying to gather stats. Mm -hmm. um, and in the meantime, you're paying for those lower quality leads. I, I think you made the right choice. You had to reduce the budget because it was no longer working. Right. Uh, and I, I guess that's a really good lesson to make sure that we don't get too reliant on one lead source. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yep. Very good. Thank you for walking us down that path. Now, you also mentioned that you're getting uh, realtor.com leads. Uh, could you tell us how what's going on there? How do you get those leads? What do they look like? Walk us through that process. Those are all coming through email. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's the same thing. I mean, you're basically paying uh, to show up on other people's listings, and then if people fill out the form, then it's sent to you. And I actually, Realtor.com, I think is sent to uh, you. Can purchase it where it's only sent to you, or pay a lower amount where it's sent to multiple people. I think two people at a time. So we generally pay the lower amount where it's sent to two people, but then we get more leads. And we're, we're generally very good at, at uh, you know, getting back with the leads right away. Do you, do you have uh, an idea of what your lead cost is on say realtor.com, those leads when they come in? Have you figured that out? It depends on the zip code. It but I mean, you're probably talking, you know, 150, $200 a lead. 150 to 200. And that's with you being shared with another agent. Uh, that, well, I, you know, I guess I, I don't really know the exact cost on realtor.com. Um, I think when I looked Zillow a while back, we were $150, $200 a lead. So it was getting expensive. Okay. So that was Zillow, 150 to 200. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I can't say exactly what it is on realtor. But it's something less. You thought it was less than uh, Zillow? Probably. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very good. I, and I guess the thing I'm looking at too is, you know, how much am I spending per month and how many closings are we getting and what income is coming in? I should look at a price per lead, but I haven't as much as, as I probably should. No, that's where we were going next. So let's use those numbers. Those are the big picture numbers and that would certainly be more important to a, a manager. So let's talk about the ROI, the return on investment you're getting. Um, let's take Zillow first. If you, over the course of the year, how much were you paying for Zillow and what kind of revenue was coming in? You know, Mike, I, I should know those numbers better than I do. Um, I, I can't honestly tell you, but here's, here's the problem that I had with those types of leads. And, and, you know, you are definitely bringing in 
uh, quite a bit more money than you're spending. But the problem is what was happening is, let's say that our average commission was $4,000. So $2,000 goes to the buyer's agent, $2,000 goes to me. Well, if I was spending $6,000 a month, we would have to close three a month. And so at three a month, my buyer's agents were making $6,000. At three a month, I was making zero because I was having to pay Zillow the 6,000. So it was, it was like, it really got to the point where my agents were making money and I wasn't. So I thought, well, this doesn't make a lot of sense, you know. Sure. Now, a quick word from our sponsor, Real GTV, real estate agent lead generation television, where top agents reveal exactly how they create consistent flows of home buyer and home seller leads into their practices every month. Need more leads? Hit the pause button right now. Open Google and search Real GTV. That's R-E-A-L-G dot TV. Now, back to the show. I got to ask a question. I should have asked earlier. You said you just had your, your uh, two long-term buyer agents leave after seven years. Didn't just leave you. They left the business. Uh, do you know why they left? Um, one was just really tired of the hours, nights, weekends, and, and she went to a position where it was more of a nine to five as, as an insurance, eight. well, she worked at an insurance agency, which they could guarantee her, you know, more normal hours. Uh, and the other one, you know, was actually forced out of the business. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, we'll leave that one alone. Um, so thank you very much for, for walking through all this with me. Uh, and uh, sounds like internet leads, they were strong, but they're weakening up a little bit for you, and you're probably looking for another way to generate some some internet leads. Uh, have you come up with any other ideas yet? You know, I haven't, no. Um, and, and I know a lot of people are using Boomtown, Commissions, Inc., and, and those platforms, and, and they are good platforms, but I, I don't care for that business model. I mean, you know, if the industry standard is a 1% conversion, I really don't want to work 100 leads to get one closing. So, yeah, we're definitely on the hunt. And, uh, you know, I think the best thing is, you know, past client repeat and referral. I mean, just give your people great service and keep in touch with them. Continue to provide value after the transaction. And that's the best way to build your business. Well, that's a good point. Let's transition into that. Let's talk about how you're generating repeating referrals from your past clients and sphere of influence. My understanding was about a third of your uh, business last year, about 50 closings or so. Uh, and that's pretty cool. So let's jump into what you're doing with them. So first question is, how big is your database of past clients and sphere of influence? It's about 1,100 people. 1,100 people. Excellent. And who is in there? Are those all past clients? What, what, does, the, what does it look like inside that list? It is all past clients. Yes. Yeah. And we have, you know, ballpark 20, well, like I said earlier, 2,600, you know, uh, transactions. So we have a lot more than 1,100 past clients, but, you know, some of them move out of the area and, and things like that. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And some of them could purchase multiple times. Um, so you got about 1,100 people in there. And uh, what kind of software are you using to, to keep these people all together? What kind of database? We're actually using f for a couple different softwares. So one lesson that I've learned a few years back is real estate agents, <clears throat> you know, over the years, at least us, we've used many different CRMs. You know, I mean, we started when I first got in the business, it was just Outlook. And then we moved to you know, top producer, and then we moved to something else, and then we moved to Infusionsoft, and then we moved to follow-up boss. So, the problem is each time you move CRMs, 
you're losing some of your data basically. It's hard to import and export and keep everything. So, so what we do now is we have an access database and you can do it in Excel or whatever works for you. We use access. So there's a form that my administrative assistant fills out after every single closing. So now I know all of my past clients are in this access database. So no matter how, you know, if we want to switch CRMs again, um, we can do that. Uh, and we'll still have all the pertinent information and access. And then we can import it and export it from there. That's pretty good. So access is a generic database program put out by Microsoft. It's kind of like Excel or Word if people haven't heard about it. Yep. And so you have a lot of uh, control over that database then. Uh, it's not going to be in a proprietary system from, for somebody that you can't, as you said, pull your information out of or they go under one day and you lose all your data. You're right. keeping it in a central database with you. Right, right, yep. That's pretty smart. Let's talk about what you're doing on an annual basis to stay in front of these people. Could you tell us about what your annual marketing plan is? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for, for us, Mike, it's been more mailings than anything. We have, we have not done a good job over the years of calling past clients. Once in a great while, we may call them, but it's very rare. So typically, it's just a, a series of mailings. And, um, you know, it, it's like anything. We haven't been consistent through the years. You know, for a number of years, uh, we were very consistent and did real well from our, from our sphere and past client mailings. You know, uh, then, you know, I was sending a newsletter every month. And I'm very picky, probably too picky about what's sent to my past clients. So I was actually creating the newsletter myself every month. And it just took so much time. I mean, it may take one to two full days of my time to put this thing together. So anytime something's difficult to do, you're not going to do it for very long. So, you know, I, I would do it for two or three months and I'd skip a couple months and then two or three months and skip a couple months. And finally, I just realized, hey, you know what? I'm never going to be consistent with this thing. I mean, it was great. It was a great newsletter, had a lot of valuable information in there. You know, it had some real estate, some non-real estate specific things you know, market trends, uh, you know, tips, home maintenance tips, uh, things that were, you know, make people laugh, uh, you know, funny jokes. Uh, I mean, we, there was, it, people really enjoyed getting the, the newsletters. I mean, I would get comments all the time. People would call her off, say, oh my gosh, I love your newsletter. Um, but it's just anything that's difficult to do, you're not going to do it for an extended period of time. So what we switched to, um, just right now we're switching to, is more of like a one-page newsletter. So instead of, uh, I think our last one was like an eight-page newsletter. So we're going to a one-page newsletter, and um, we're, we're going to, I think that's something the way I've put it together. You know, I can put it together very quickly each month. And, and one, one thing we're doing with that, too, that's a little different, you know, over the years, we've taken our past client list, and we've sent all of them the exact same thing every month. So now what we're going to do it with this one-page newsletter, it's based on the high school district that they live in. So, for example, if they live in Washington High School District, they're going to get an 8.5 by 11 postcard, <clears throat> which is like a normal sheet of paper, but it's a nice glossy postcard. And it's going to have, you know, market trends uh, for Washington High School District. So there's going to be some things on that card that are specific to that high school district. So it's going to, you know, it's going to take a little bit for us to set it up and, 
you know, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be better because it's very specific, you know, and then four times a year, what we're going to do is, well, probably two to four times a year, maybe two times a year, we're going to send something out for their specific neighborhood, um, you know, a market trend report for their specific neighborhood. So. Very good. And it sounds like uh, over the years, you've basically been doing mail. You're, you've uh, tried to keep up with it being monthly, although you haven't done that. It hasn't always gone out monthly. Uh, and it sounds like usually it's a, a newsletter. How long have you been doing the newsletter? Well, we've been trying to send something. The newsletter, probably two to three years. You know, and I've, I, I've, I've bought the, the newsletters that you can just purchase, but I, I've never been happy with them, you know? Sure. Um, I just, I don't know. I, Did you send out uh, something other than newsletters in the past then? Were you sending out postcards yeah. or I mean, for the first, letters? Or? For the first three or four years of my business, uh, Stay in Touch Postcards was a company I used. And we sent those every month like clockwork. And, you know, I guess sending something is definitely better than sending nothing. I mean, they were nice postcards. Um you know, I'd recommend them if somebody wants to look into some postcards. We don't send them anymore because I, I want more than just that. I mean, basically, it was a postcard each month asking for referrals. Um, but I want to really, I, I kind of feel like even though they were very nice postcards, I want to do something that's providing value to my past clients, not just begging for referrals every month. So when I send something out, I want to think about, okay, how does this benefit my client? Not necessarily, how does this benefit me? <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> Absolutely. So it sounds like you've done a, a lot of mail. Uh, you haven't done phone calls. Have you done email? A little bit of email, not a lot. Okay. Um, and then do you do anything else with these, this group of people? Do you have uh, uh, parties or do you take them out to lunch or is there anything else that you do? We, you know, we're not, we have not done many past client parties, but we've, I think we've done three. Um, and we've each time we've done them at a local kind of a pool park uh, where we would invite every one of our past clients. We would tell them that they could bring anybody they wanted, friends, family, uh, anybody they wanted. So we would generally have, I don't know, 700, 800 people wow. show up to these things. And um, so obviously they would get in for free. And then uh, when they came in, my whole team would be there at the entrance greeting each one of them or whatever. And then we would give them a, a free token so they could get one. Night. Every single person that came in, whether they're a past client or not, got a token, which was good for one free concession stand item. And I think the whole thing probably cost us four to $5,000. Uh, but it, it was, uh, you know, we got, it was a big hit. And, and I, you're probably going to ask me, can I, you know, was there any business that, that I know came from that? And, you know, I can't honestly tell you, yes, we got this transaction from this party. Um, you know, and, and I didn't uh, try to speak at that uh, or anything like that. To me, it was more of just, hey, guys, thanks so much for your business in the past. We want to do something nice for you. It really wasn't, I mean, obviously, you want to get business from it, but that wasn't the ultimate goal. Well, it sounds to me then that you've had some pretty good success with your past clients in sphere of influence uh, with some, some modest marketing. You've just been doing a couple mail payout pieces when you get them. In the back of my head, I'm thinking maybe six to 12 times a year. Uh, you're getting something out in front of them. And uh, you ha you've tried some parties over the years, but, but that's just been uh, hit or miss. And, uh, and just from that, you've generated quite a bit of business, about 50 transactions a year. 
So you must have done a really good job with the original uh, transaction that they remember you so well, and you've done a good job of at least staying in touch in front of them a few times over the course of a year. Does that sound about right? That sounds accurate. Yeah. And you know, a lot of your listeners are probably thinking, Oh my gosh, this guy is so old school. He's doing all these mailings, but you know what, what we're finding or that mailings are working better now than they ever have because there's, I mean, everybody's getting probably a hundred emails a day. You know, you're getting so many, you're just inundated with emails and text messages and you know, Facebook and all these different things digitally and people are sending less through the mail. So now more than ever, I feel like mail's working better. Yeah, we're hearing similar uh, answers or similar results that are coming back that, as you just mentioned, that mail is really starting to pick up again. Uh, less competition in that mailbox now. Well, and the funny thing too is even open houses. I mean, I've heard some of your podcasts about open houses and, and I think open houses are making a comeback now. I was never a big fan of open houses. I mean, for years, I mean, like I said, early on, I did a lot of open houses. Then for years, we didn't do any, you know, and now I kind of feel like open houses are making a comeback. Right. Well, we were all convinced that open houses were just for new agents, just, right. just when you're brand new. Once you get started, right. you don't need to do them anymore. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So <laughs> some of the old school tactics are actually making a comeback and starting to work well again. They are. Yeah. It's just a matter of getting in front of people, isn't it? Well, this is good. So let's go ahead. Let's uh, switch topics. I want to talk about your, your team. Um, my understanding is you have uh, seven people on the team. Could you go do, do the, us a favor and just walk through a list of who's on the team? You know, the, the, and what we're talking about is the position. What are the positions on the team and what is that position responsible for? So people could get a big overview of what the team looks like. Sure, sure. Yeah, we have three buyer's agents. And, <clears throat> you know, with our team, they have specific roles. I mean, a buyer's agent cannot list a house. A listing agent cannot work with buyers. Um, so we have one listing agent. We have three buyer's agents. We have a uh, listing coordinator who takes care of Im implementing all the new listings and making the flyers and, and all those types of things. We have a closing coordinator who's a, a licensed agent. Uh, so I think, and then we have a part-time photographer slash courier. So we have the photographer and courier and the, my listing coordinator are unlicensed. Everybody else is licensed. Wow. And you've been doing this model for a while. Uh, it, have you ever had the, uh, uh, the thought that you'd want, you, you've kept everybody kind of on their own very niched path, the buyer agents and listing agents. Have you ever thought about combining that into a general agent? And why have you chose to do it the way you are? You know, Mike, I think the reason is, is I want people to have areas of specialization and, and I, I guess I treat it, I want to treat it more as a team than I do a um, brokerage, I guess, if you will, you know, and I think that's one of the benefits of the team. Everybody has a specific role that they're playing. It's like, and you know, I keep bringing up baseball, but like in baseball, you know, the pitcher doesn't, I mean, every, every person has their position that they play. You know, and I think like, you know, let's say for example, we have a buyer that all, that needs to sell their house also. Well, if they work with the agent to buy a house, the same agent to sell their house, I guess then at the end of the transaction, do they think, wow, we had a great experience with the Rogers Real Estate Group? Or do they say, wow, we had a great experience with Deanna? So I would much rather it be every bit, everybody play a specific role. I think, uh, you know, if, if you're trying to do everything, you can't be great at anything. 
Well, let's see if that's played out. Over the years, you've been doing this for quite a while, so you have a pretty good background. Uh, your buyer agents, let's take them first. What kind of closings do they have in the course of a year? Say a, a low year and a high year, how many closings should they expect? They're expected to have about three and a half a month, so about 42 a year. Um, every buyer's agent that's ever worked for me has made at least $100,000 a year. Yeah, and, and that's not every year, you know, but every single agent has made at least $100,000 in a, in a given year, and, and some of them have done it many times. And how about on the listing side? Do you have the same different stats for those folks as far as how many transactions per year? You know, on the listing side, I think my listing agent can go up to 30 uh, listing appointments per month. Um, that's kind of what we base it on. That's why, you know, that's why we've, we really have not needed to bring anybody else on. I would love to, to set more than 30 appointments a month, but at this point in time, you know, we're not setting more than 30. And so they're probably closing, um, what is that, maybe 70 or so a year? 70 to 100? Where, where are they closing when they end up with the year, the listing agent? Yeah, I would say on 200 transactions, we're probably 120 buyer and 80 on seller. Okay, so about 70 to 80 closings a year with one listing agent, one listing specialist. Mm -hmm. And you've been doing that for quite a while, so those are good stats. Very good. Uh, something that agents always ask me, and I'm going to ask you, and that is uh, when agents are trying to get this thing going, uh, or they have it going and they're wondering if they're doing it right, they're wondering about compensation. Could you tell us about the compensation programs you set up for your listing agent, for your buying agents? Yeah, yeah. And, and this is something right or wrong I, we put in place many years ago, and it's just never changed. Uh, buyer's agents are on a 50-50 split. So I generate most of the business and they work the business and we split it 50-50. The listing agent, um, you know, I set pretty much most of her appointments and uh, she basically goes on the appointment, um, negotiates the offer, keeps in touch with the sellers and she's on a, I'm, I'm 75 and she's 25. Sure. Now my, my agents also do pay their own uh, Remax bills per month. So, uh, just to give you an idea, each one of my agents pays about $825 per month to Remax. And then they have their international fees, which is a much smaller number, and E&O and things like that. So I don't pay any other fees. That's good to know. So uh, they're pulling that out as a gross number, and that's nice and simple math. And let me ask, does the, the, do those ratios, those numbers, those percentages, do they change if an agent – uh, is bringing in their own business versus the the team business. Yeah, it does slightly. Um, so years ago, what I said is I said, if you bring in the business, I get 40, you get 60. If I bring in the business, you get uh, 40 and I get 60. And you know what? It just got to the point where, I mean, I was bringing in most of the business. So they didn't like that. But on the, on the other flip side, it, it, it got into like, well, who really bought this in? You know, you were at the open house but I paid the money for the ad and it just, we just decided, you know, my buyer's agents and I together both said the 50 50 is probably the best way to do it. And that's the same with the listing agent then as well. There, there's no variation based on how the lead came into the company. Um, if, if, um, and, and I'd have to look at my notes cause we have it in writing, but I, if a uh, agent, like say for example, uh, one of my agents, is working with a buyer and they also need to list. We have a form that they fill out. Just by filling out that form, they get $100. Um, but uh, 
you know, and then if my listing agent brings in business, she's on a higher split. I can't remember what it is right now, but she's on a higher split if she brings in the business. So we don't change it a lot. Yeah, I like it. I think you've got some good numbers there and it makes sense, especially since they're picking up some of their own costs. But you got to make sure that the company, the team is profitable. Otherwise, why do it? Uh, you right. got to make sure that the agents are making money and they're doing well. And so you got to find and strike that balance. It sounds like you have. Um, let me ask a, a, a different question here. So again, thank you so much for outlining a little bit about your business here. Um, but Scott, are you profitable? We are. Yeah, yeah. And you know, we could be more profitable. But I mean, if you look at the entire gross commissions that my team generates, you know, usually I, mine is uh, 25% of that. Oh, good. So you're netting out about 25% of the gross. And, and this is in the role of manager where you're not out in the field. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Thank you. And uh, Scott, what drives you? You know, that's a good question. Uh, I think quite honestly, it's, um, I don't have a great answer to that. I think it's just simply, I, whatever I do, I want to be good at, you know, so as a teacher and coach, you know, I wanted to be the best teacher and coach I could be, you know, as a real estate, uh, a team leader or whatever. I think it's just simply taking pride in what you do and wanting to do the best that you could be. Uh, very good. Well, Scott, if you were going to advise a brand new agent just getting in the business, what would you tell them to do first? I would say, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, but I would say you got to make that list of all your friends, family, you know, coworkers, um, anybody else that you can think of. So kind of what, how I looked at it when I got in the business is I thought if I ran into this person at the grocery store, would I want to go up to them and say hi? And if I did, then I would uh, put them on the list and then I would send them out a monthly mailer, you know, every single month and don't ever miss a month. So, <laughs> and, and I would just say, you know what, in this business, a lot of the lead sources come and go, but your past clients take great care of them keep in touch with them, continue to provide value after the transaction uh, because, you know, your clients aren't stupid. They understand that you're getting compensated if they buy a house or sell a house. So, they, if you do something for them after closing, they know that you're not getting paid for that. So, you actually build a lot more loyalty if you serve them after closing versus just serving them during the, the you know, buying and selling processes. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. Very good. Well, Scott, do you think that top agent interviews like this one, success calls, are valuable? I hope this one's been valuable, but I know, <laughs> but I know that your calls are very valuable, Mike. And, you know, I've listened to every single one of your podcasts and, you know, it's so funny because a lot of times I'm listening to when I'm driving, I'm thinking, oh man, I hope he asked this question or that question. You're excellent at asking the right questions uh, because I really enjoy these calls. Uh, thank you so much. That is fantastic. Well, Scott, I've come to the end of my questions for today. Do you have any parting thoughts for the listeners? Boy, not that I can think of. <laughs> Very good. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Again, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you, Mike. All right. Take care, Scott. If you like the show and want to know when the next one's coming out, click the subscribe button. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, give the show a five-star review and write a quick comment. I read them all, and it motivates me to keep going and share the top agent success stories with you. Thanks. If you're looking for more ways to generate leads, check out our sponsor, RealGTV, real estate agent lead generation television. 
and their giant database library of video trainings where top agents reveal, demonstrate, and discuss their best lead generation methods. Visit RealGTV, R-E-A-L-G dot TV. If you're low on funds or just want to get the maximum leverage, check out my masterclass webinar titled Top 5 Free Lead Sources for Real Estate Agents. Learn more at freeleadtime.com. That's freeleadtime.com. Oh, and if you have a real estate friend who needs some inspiration, tell them about the Success Calls podcast. And don't you forget to subscribe right now to hear all the great top agent ideas. Keep moving forward. You've been listening to Success Calls on the Mastermind Agent Network, where top real estate agents from across North America reveal their success secrets, strategies, and systems in up-close and personal interviews. You can find all the calls at www.mastermindagent.com.